who has stood out and who has caught our attention. Stay tuned while Leaf and I break down which players shine in some of the Feast Week tournaments. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash NBA. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today is Leif Tulane, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else, which means I know he has to be extremely exhausted because there's been a ridiculous amount of college basketball going on. Plus, he does stuff with the Utah Jazz and the Jazz had a game last night. Are you exhausted? Are you getting sleep? Or are you just saying, you know what, forget the sleep. I need to watch college basketball because I have this reputation as a guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. I'm somewhere in between all of that. I uh, I watched, I think, nine and a half straight hours of basketball on Sunday. And then I, I got a little bit of sleep. And then yesterday I played an intramural basketball game. So I missed missed a little bit of um, the Maui gym, which was weird because usually I just watch that straight up like the entire day. And then I went back and watched it, watched the end of it, and then watched some synergy and caught the one I missed. So, and then, and I got a little bit of sleep, so I'm functioning, but, but you know what, I'll take low sleep for lots of basketball any day of the week. Yeah. Sleep is something I have not been able to get a lot of maybe four or five hours a night trying to watch basketball, um, write for my, my NBA big board newsletter, five podcasts a week. And then I got a four month old. So Sleep is is not something, plus other projects that people want me to do. But let's just get right into it. Which prospect has done the most for their draft stock, in your opinion, this weekend? Or let's go from the past five days, I should say. I, I think you have to start with Anthony Black's performance yesterday because – He's someone that I know a few of us were lower on because of um, his inconsistent jump shot. And I know Louisville's not very good, but he certainly has helped his case by knocking down jump shots, showing creativity at a plus size point guard or someone that can be at least a combo guard at the next level. He's about six, seven, six, eight, shot the ball well, scored 26 points. Um, he, he's the first that comes to my mind. There's a few other guys that are that have improved their draft stocks but they aren't of the same caliber of, of recruit as anthony black for instance a guy like reese beekman for virginia um, guarded keontae george and then terrence shannon jr and won the mvp of the continental tire invitational and, and they won the championship and uh, i've i've really liked beekman for a while i watched him in high school play with jalen johnson and found him to be a very appealing prospect because he's an elite defender on the ball but he has some shortcomings offensively and he seems to have improved his game there so there's one high high uh, high profile guy coming in and one lower profile that I think have really improved their draft stocks. Yeah, I saw the game against Baylor. And if you didn't know, like anybody's prior reputation, you'd say, oh, gosh, he was the best player on, on the floor. Speaking of that, I have this issue now, right? So 
you know, like when you watch an NBA game and you listen to the broadcast, you know the player or the, the broadcast team, they know the player. Maybe a couple mistakes here and there for a guy that just got called up from the G League or is a back-end rotation guy, but they know they're the players. I feel like when you're watching college basketball, the announcers have no idea who they're talking about. They're reading this script that someone gave them about – you know, whoever the top high school recruit was. And if the top high school recruit goes one for 18 and he makes a basket, they're like, that is the play. That's why he was so highly touted. <laughs> I feel like guys like, like the play you just mentioned from Virginia, they didn't, I mean, they talked about him a lot, but more was focused on guys that are more highly touted, even though during that game, he was the best player on the floor. Am I off base thinking like these guys are just, I mean, of course there's a lot of players to know, but it's like, they're just reading this, this, <laughs> these notes in the script that somebody wrote for them. Well, well, I think a large portion of it is, is Virginia was expected to be the worst of the four teams there. And Baylor was expected to be the best. And Keontae George was expected to win the MVP by whether that's fair or not, you expect the five-star recruit to do so. And Reese Beekman, I think that was a really tough event for Keontae George because Reese Beekman's one of the best on-ball defenders in the country, whether people know about him or not. And so that uh, that made it difficult for Keontae George to really get in a rhythm. And then in the UCLA game for Baylor, he really struggled, and it was Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer. And we talked about this a while ago, and, and I was really high on Baylor coming into the season because I thought they had these veterans that will ease Keontae's job, but Keontae's having trouble adapting to taking a tertiary role, at least early on. But um, yeah, Beekman, Beekman, Beekman's a guy that I think could play NBA minutes and at the worst kind of be like a Javon Carter. But I think he's got more playmaking upside than J Javon Carter had. Javon just had like a 36-point game or something like that a couple weeks ago. But it wasn't just that game. It's just every other game that I've watched. It's um, like, for example, um, the Ohio State versus San Diego State game. It was like there was very little information on the San Diego State players. But it was like they had a script over these are the Ohio State guys that we know about. We're just going to talk about them all day, every day. So all, all day, all day, all night, I should say. Anyway, who else caught your attention this weekend? I, I would say that there's a few guys. Um, Jarace Walker would be the other high profile recruit that I wouldn't say it was necessarily from this weekend. He played Oregon. I didn't think he had an amazing game. But I've, I've seen every game Houston's played so far, and you see him growing in confidence in their scheme. Um, you know, you're, you're, a lot of bigs for Houston are just asked to rebound and put, put backs and kick the ball to Sasser, Mark, and, and Shed, uh, which is a phenomenal backcourt. But, but he's growing in confidence, starting to hit threes with more, more pace. Like sometimes he just has like a dare shot. And he's like, oh, you know what, I'll shoot it and makes it. But it, it looks like it's more in the flow. He's going to rebound the ball. He, he's defensive instincts are really impressive like you don't expect an 18 year old 19 year old straight out of high school to be deflecting inbound passes chasing down the guy who catches it poking it away running down the ball and then pitching it back for a layup like there's plays he makes that that he seems wise beyond his years and then the the body that he has is, is obviously the appeal for nba scouts he's huge and so I think he's he's really putting it together mentally, physically, and then on a great team, which I always value because he knows how to play a role. And um, so, yeah, he's he's the other guy. Anthony Black had a, the, the, the game that stood out. But I think the season of, of these top guys, 
uh, Jarius Walker and Brandon Miller so far have been the top freshmen. Yeah, I, I want to get to that in a second, but I want to switch gears here for you. Best backcourt in Texas, Houston, Baylor, or Texas? Actually, you can rank them. So coming into the season, I would have told you it was Baylor, Houston, Texas. Right now, I'd go Houston, Texas, Baylor. The reason Baylor would be third, though, is because Keontae George hasn't found a rhythm. Like, I think they've got the highest potential of any of those backcourts because if he finds a rhythm, now they've got three guys capable of scoring 20 any given night, whereas Houston's got Marcus Sasser, who can score 20. Jamal Shedd's going to be a good facilitator, but he's not a great scorer. Tremont Marks finding his role as a tertiary role. Texas, I love Tyrese Hunter. We talked about him this summer um, and, and how we thought, man, if he can improve his three, maybe that game where he scored seven threes uh, in the tournaments uh, is a precursor for success. Well, it's, it, it appears to be. Marcus Carr is a veteran, and, and they've got some decent depth. Um, their defense is impressive on that team. But the reason I would say Baylor's got the highest potential is because Adam Flagler's a known commodity. The guy's one of the best shooters in college basketball. LJ Cryer's a very good shooter. He's coming off an injury. He's going to get better. And Keontae George appears to be the weakest link of the trio. And he's you know he's going to get better with time. He scored 37 points in the um, global games play up in Canada against U23s. So I think I still think Baylor's got the highest potential. But as of four or five games for each team, I'd go Houston, Texas, Baylor. I received a message about LJ Cryer. Let me know your thoughts on this. This uh, person compared him to Patty Mills. He thinks that he can have a Patty Mills type NBA career. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that's ambitious just because <laughs> LJ Cryer is a good shooter, but Patty Mills is one of the best shooters in the NBA. And uh, he doesn't defend like Patty Mills puts the effort forth on de defending, at least when he was on the Spurs. I think his efforts waned a little bit in the pre in the past couple of years. But um, I can see that role coming out. I, I actually think Flagler is the better shooter between he and Cryer. Um, but, but I think both of those fit the same archetype, a smaller two guard that can really shoot the ball. Neither of them are true point guards. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm a Blazers fan. And Patty in San Antonio was a totally different player than Patty in Portland. All right, when we return, I want to get your thoughts on the Gonzaga-Kentucky game. That's something that we didn't touch on. And then a few other prospects that you think have raised their, their draft stock, in your opinion. But next, let's talk about Toro. Toro is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Toro, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts, Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., United Kingdom, Canada, and soon coming to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip or get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. It's Thanksgiving holiday coming up, so if you want to show off from your family members and rent a Lamborghini and pull up to the house, you can find one on Turo. So you can also find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and you just need to get from point A to point B, you can test drive that new electric vehicle you had your eye on to see how it fits into your everyday life. And many Toro hosts can deliver the car right to you. Every trip, every single trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your car to drive at Toro.com. 
Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my co-host Leif Tuline. Let's talk about Kentucky Gonzaga. In your opinion, who made a name for themselves from the NBA draft perspective in that game? Or was it a situation where nobody really helped himself and it was just a good college basketball game? None of the above. Gosh, um, I, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think the game had hype. There was moments of impressive play, but the... Uh, quick rant off my chest john calipari really had a terrible game plan mm-hmm. um like texas laid out the game plan against gonzaga on a silver platter front drew timmy apply incredible ball pressure and and make it hard for them to enter the only person who could enter to timmy against texas was anton watson the four-man mark few made a nice adjustment they brought it up the middle of the court with their bigs that said the, when they made the run they, they started doing it, and then they put Oscar Sheeway back on Timmy, picked up his fourth foul. So my, my rant aside, that it was poor coaching. The reason I say no one made a name for themselves is I, I think Cason Wallace w- was a known commodity. You knew he'd be smart, he'd be intelligent, um, and, and, and he'd, he'd play hard. But he didn't, he didn't shoot particularly well. He hit two in the second half, but it's hard to shoot well when your team goes 0 of 11 in the first half from three. Um, I would say that, that Sheeway's motor showed – showed ability there like he could maybe crack the second round jacob Toppin hit a lot of mid-range jump shots but those are tough shots and he's not going to shoot those in the nba you're not going to shoot a one dribble pull up off of a like a little screen action from 18 feet with your four man that's just that's just not something you're going to do and he shot i don't know the exact number but he didn't make a three and he shot plenty of them as for gonzaga julian strother had a good game so i'd say he's the one player that may have helped his stock from this game because he had he showed rebounding ability he had a double double hit a few threes looks a little stronger a little quicker but that said i, I still have my skeptic skepticism about strother because the release he, is so low is that an issue to you yeah i i <laughs> i think i think his issue is he's got a low release and he's not a superb athlete and so he's not going to create separation and i don't know if he's a good enough shooter to bank on that as his top trait as a draft prospect. And I don't think he's a good enough defender to bank on that as his top trade either, but it, the impressive rebounding and the, you know, a solid game is going to help you. So he, he improved his stock the most, but that's probably the reason I'd say neither because no one, no one really improved themselves, their abilities in this game. And I, I am high on case and Wallace overall. I just don't think this is the best showcase for him, but I do think he should be running the point for Kentucky. Savir Wheeler um, has, has underwhelmed drastically with this roster. He played good in the Michigan State game. Wheeler did. <laughs> I guess you're not a fan. I, I mean, I live in Texas, and so um, you know, a lot of people I know are are definitely rooting for Case. And so on my social media feed, it was pretty consistent with what you just what you just said. The the people, and it's funny because Wheeler's actually from Houston, but the the people that are from the DFW area are just like. Get the ball out of his hands, put it in Kaysen's hands. Kaysen's a winner, so on and so on. So um, very, very interesting take because, like I said, it's been consistently on, on my social media. What were your thoughts on 
to Sheboy? Like, is it just he just is who he, who he is? And and I know you say you think he can creep up to the second round. Is there any way that he could be a as a buki? <laughs> um, his archetype that he'd have to follow would be Kenneth Fareed. So someone that just plays with incredible hustle and a team that wants just absolute tenacity on the boards and very little skill level on offense. Like his offensive repertoire um, is limited. And that, that was a real problem in this game is they just kept feeding the ball to him on the mid post and he'd get the ball stripped by Timmy or Watson on repeated basis. Um, so, so he, no, he's not a, he's not a go-to scorer. And so with Kentucky, he'll score 20 game off rebounding. And if he starts shooting 20 shots again, that's not a good sign for Kentucky. But that said, for NBA scouts, what he needs to prove is that he can play 40 minutes or close to it and run the floor like a gazelle because he he can run. Like that, that's his best attribute as a big, in my opinion. He can run the floor. He's he's tenacious on the boards. And so I think he's just got to be the manimal. He's got to be Kenneth Fareed when Kenneth Fareed was a beast. And, and, uh, and maybe a team will say, you know what? We could use that off our bench. I mean, he's older. He he played. He sat out half a year at West Virginia. Came to West Virginia. Played two years there. Second year at Kentucky. He, he's no spry chicken um, and, anymore. And uh, so I, I think that's his really only path. I really like Sheway. I think his motor is unbelievable. He's a great college player. But in the NBA, there's very few players that have his skill set that are at his height. Like there are guys that are that are bigger than him that can make it. But also like defensively. He's okay. He's he's not great, and that's something he'll need to improve on a team that has the bodies and the the physical capacity to be good defensively. And that was probably why I was most frustrated at their game plan is they had the physical bodies to execute what Texas did just as well as Texas because they have such good athletes on Kentucky, and they abandoned it and and put their best player in foul trouble by guarding the most skilled post player in the country. So I was at the Mavs game. And I sat in the press box. So I'm like watching the Mavs game from Blimp View. But then they had a screen where the Kentucky game was on. So I was trying to watch both. And I feel like trying to watch both, I actually saw none. I mean, I, I look up and I didn't even realize the Mavs had lost the lead. And next thing I know, the Mavs needed a last second shot. So I missed everything going on there. But then I'm trying to watch the game and there's no volume. I can't hear it. So I saw enough, but one of the things I did notice was that Kentucky was trying to feed him the ball, and his game is not visually pleasing. And there are times where I'm like, wow, he just made a drop step baby hook. Okay, maybe the touch is getting better. And then the next possession, it looks like he has absolutely no touch at all. But I do think there's a role for him in the NBA. I can actually see him being a guy that makes a makes the roster of a good team right and then comes in and provides like some energy five to seven minutes a game or even just has a playoff game where he just comes in and grabs a couple offensive rebounds sprints the floor and just makes an impact in the minutes that he plays I don't think he's a starter I don't think he's a guy that you can play 25 30 minutes a game but I do think he can be someone that with his effort can change the momentum of a game because he can make some plays that can kind of get the crowd into it and all that. I think he's kind of like a wild card that you could throw in. So I would take him with, with a second round pick. If I were a team like, I mean, I, I just live in Dallas. I think Dallas could use somebody 
like him. Um, that's just going to sprint the floor and create open threes and, and, and transition or get an extra rebound. So I, I like him a lot. What were your yeah. thoughts on on Timmy? <laughs> do you think there's nothing he can do to improve his stock and he just is who he is? I think he's a pretty known commodity. Should he shoot the three pretty well? Um, Which he did at the combine he, last year. <laughs> he did at the combine, but but yeah. should he do that in a college season? And um, I've always I've always been higher on his playmaking than mm-hmm. than many. I, I think that's an underrated skill. Yes, people get infatuated by saying, "Wow, he can really score in the post." Wow, like he's got really good touch around there. But I think one of the underrated things is he rarely forces it when he's down there. He, he, he's able to pick out skip passes. And granted, he's sometimes playing lesser competition. But even in non-conference, even against Memphis last year, when they were starting to put Jalen Duran on him, and then someone would kind of come at him after the first dribble, he's able to skip, make good skip passes. He has a few turnover-prone games where he tries to do too much. But I've always – I think that's an underrated skill. Should he – you know, shoot 30, 37% from three this year and, and have four or five assists, there's a chance that improves the stock. But I think, I think you know what he is. But, and one thing about Sheway is, could he be, could he be similar to Dwight Powell in a role of, uh, of for the Mavericks? I think Powell's a different player. Um, he, he's a very intelligent diver to the rim. He's, he works off of Luca well, but they, they both provide a spark of extra possessions. And I think that was someone I thought of while you were talking that he could be, somewhat similar to a little bit different um, because of the way like his game is predicated solely off of energy. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I was thinking like maybe Brooklyn could use some size. Uh, You know, I I know a lot of people like um, uh, Paul Reed, but Philly could probably use him as a backup to Embiid. I I just think that there is a role for him somewhere maybe golden state could use could use some size on, on their front line just i think there is a role for him somewhere all right when we return i want to get leaf's thoughts on some of the prospects on illinois and then i want to talk about the creighton versus arkansas game that is later on today but next let me talk to you about linkedin because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, which is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add the purple hashtag hiring to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screen questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and more importantly, who you'd like to hire. It is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs it helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my co-host, Leaf Tulane. And let's talk about Illinois. What were your thoughts on Illinois coming into the season? And in your opinion, who is Illinois' best NBA prospect? If you had to choose right now. So for their team, I predicted them to win the Big Ten coming into the season. Uh, I thought they had the best combination of returning players, whether they be transfers or returning to the Illini. 
and and upside with kind of younger players as well as players that are unproven. Um, so I, I'm high on their team. I thought they actually put forth the best game of this weekend. I thought Virginia and Illinois was the most cleanly played game, even if it wasn't as high profile. Um, their best prospect, Sky Clark, comes to mind wow. as someone that that can that can develop it. I just don't know if it will be this year because they've got a lot of mouths to feed on this team. And so it's hard to, you know, really make an identity. I think everyone's really high on Terrence Shannon Jr. And he's really improved his jump shot. That said, we've got four years of tape on Terrence Shannon Jr. And, and his jump shot, like I'm going to need more than one eight for nine game to trust his jumper, but he does seem to be having more free flowing uh, offensive, um, uh, you know, in Texas tech, it was a very egalitarian system, but also was pretty was kind of rigid. He's got more of a free flowing offense here, where he can be he can play to his strengths, and if he's shooting well, that opens up his truest strength of driving to his left hand. So I think he's the popular pick. I, I really like Sincere Harris off the bench as well. Um, they've got a lot of good guards. I would say Sky Clark has the best chance, but he is coming off an ACL, and I need to see the explosiveness come back from from his uh, his high school days before I truly buy into that so i'm kind of i'm waffling a little bit but i, I would say sky clark I, I have more faith in to be a higher pick down the road than i do after four years of watching terrence Shannon jr but he is off to a marvelous start no mention of hawkins i, I that's a good point i i don't i'm not quite as high on hawkins as an nba player as some I think his defense is is a bit overrated because of how compact uh, compact the Big Ten basketball play is, mm-hmm. um, and he's often played alongside Kofi Coburn, so everyone's expecting an enormous jump from him. And he looks intelligent. He shoots like when he plays, he makes smart reads. He he shoots the ball well, but like I need to see him defend on the interior, and and he's decent at switching. But towards the end of the game, Reese Beekman blew by him on a couple occasions. Not that that's like a, a diss to him. Reese Beekman's super fast. But, but I, I wouldn't say like he super impressed me with that game in a game where he should have been the bigger, better big. I think that Caden Shedrick was just as good as uh, Coleman Hawkins in that game. Yeah, we're mentioning Coleman Hawkins. 6'10 has the attributes of a floor spacer. Um, I'm actually surprised that you said Sky Clark. I like Sky. I, I like, but I'm biased. I like point guards that got a little razzle dazzle to their game. And I like, flashy playmakers in a sense i think that he has like this the the body to where he could be a potential post point guard and i love the post game and i think if you have a guard that can post up and pass you can just open so many different things because if he can't beat his man off the dribble he can turn it into a back down and then once you help i think he can dissect the defense that way so i I like him from a weapon standpoint in a sense Terrence Shannon Jr., he shot 38% from three last year, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's 38% from three. Was it on a crazy volume of attempts? My concern with him is he was a totally different player as a junior at Texas Tech than he was as a freshman. As a freshman, he was like this energy guy that crashed offensive rebounds. He he drew fouls. He was a hustle player. And then the more and more he worked on his game – the less you saw of him attacking the rim or, or getting to the foul line. And then this year, early, early season, small sample size, he's looked like the player that I thought he would be his sophomore year. And maybe it's Texas tech, Texas tech, isn't 
the sexiest offense. <laughs> You've seen him shine in, in, a, in a new system. And uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see like what exactly is his NBA role because he has the the physical tools, the athleticism. Is he a good enough shooter to be a three and D guy? He's kind of like I don't I don't know how to put it. Like he has the things you look for, but maybe he just doesn't have this specific skill set to hang his hat on. All right, let's talk about Creighton, Arkansas. That is the game coming up later on today. I'm from Omaha. I'm actually on my way to Omaha later on today. I don't think I'll be able to see the game. Maybe I'm just going to have me, my wife, and my son get to the airport early so I can sit down and watch the game in peace. Um, who do you think will come out as the, the best NBA prospect in that game? Oh, man, I was hoping you'd ask who'd win. I, I don't know the best the, who's going to be the best. I think Creighton will win that game. Um, to answer your question, the best NBA prospect is sitting on the sideline, and that's Nick Smith. In that game, I I can see a way where Anthony Black would do well because Creighton's defense isn't particularly stout, and I don't know who will guard him. Like, will it be Shireman because he's got the size, or will it be like Trey Alexander? Uh, Kaluma... I think he'll struggle with the athleticism of Arkansas to a degree. I think my favorite player in the game is Trey Alexander though. And I think he's a kind of a, a borderline prospect. I, I don't think he's as highly regarded as some, but he's really smooth. I think he's the, uh, the straw that stirs the strength, uh, stirs the drink, man. I couldn't remember how, what that saying was, <laughs> but he's able to score and create at a, at a really good level. He and Ryan Nemhart are one of the better backcourts in the country. And he's a player that I think has got the guile as well as the athletic traits that can be a, a kind of a second rounder that finds success in the NBA. So I'll go a little outside the box answer there and I'll go with Trey Alexander. Um, one guy to keep an eye on is Trayvon Brazil. And I haven't actually watched a ton of the Arkansas game so far because uh, they haven't played great competition, even against Louisville. That was a painful watch. And, uh, but, but he's really impressed in the brief stints I have watched them play. And I think he could, he and Kaluma will be the kind of the, the individual prospect matchup to watch for. Yeah, totally different styles of play. Kaluma's this physical bruiser. His game is not visually pleasing, in my opinion, <laughs> even though he was very productive yesterday. While Brazil is your, your vertical out there, your pick and pop guy. So yeah, that that'd be a matchup that that'd be interesting. I like Kalkbrenner. Not saying that he's the best prospect, but he, I mean he's just the guy that does not miss around the rim. Hopefully he's okay. I saw that he sprained his ankle a couple of times in that game, and then Baylor Shireman. I he's probably my favorite player on the court just because the shooting, the passing. I mean he made a skip pass yesterday that it wasn't it didn't lead to assists to an assist but it was like a hockey assist but I mean it was just this over the head cross court skip pass to the corner that I mean it was it, it was just an impressive pass that if you're like a really big basketball junkie you understand how difficult it was to make that to make that pass I like him he's not shooting lights out like I expected but I think that this is this will be his breakout this will be his breakout game well man that wraps it up as always it's I mean, it's, it's great to talk college basketball with a guy that just knows everything about college basketball. So thank you so much. And thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, 
and the take of the day it is available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcast once again this is rafael barlow he is leaf chulina college basketball expert hope everyone has a great tuesday and we are out